High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, kids of the 50s, kids of the 60s, kids of the 70s, and kids of the 80s, or whatever decade you happen to be in. And a special shout out to you mathematicians out there. We're going to need your help, because this is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the summer pool party's at my place this evening. That's right! Babysitting Mondays are over, and we're just chilling on Mondays from now on. And guess what? No issue with my bartender anymore. Last week got weird, I understand that. But hey, he quit, so I am currently looking for a new bartender. And hey, guess who's out of a job as well? That would be you. Congratulations, you are now my new poolside bartender. You've been promoted in sorts. Is bartender higher than babysitter? I would imagine so right? So congratulations. You'll be making me the drinks for the rest of the summer. Woohoo! And you're partying as well. Occasionally you can pour yourself one, with my permission. And speaking of my permission, I would like to give you the permission right now to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. And we'll be expanding to some new services soon. It's been a little little bit busy on my end, but I'll get it started. And if you're upset that this episode delivered late, it's not that late, guys. Calm down. It's the summer. I'm chilling by my pool. I just had to replace half my staff. You get it. Anyway, what's up? How's it going? How are you? What's up, my healthcare heroes out there? What's up, all you slumbers? We got a cool movie today. You know why? Today is a Hudson 5 movie. That's right. The great Kate Hudson is back. She's back for another great film. Full disclosure, we recorded this early in quarantine, so if there's anything like, hey, that doesn't make sense, whatever. I think it's still topical. The Heavenly Kid is the film today. That is a timeless film. What? Never heard of The Heavenly Kid? Well, it's basically free everywhere, so watch it. It's fun, and it's a Hudson 5 movie for a reason. Can't wait to talk about it, but just wanted to ask you first, did you enjoy our episode 
last Friday. It was another, another really, really fun one. It was Corvette Summer with Christian Larson. That was a great one. Mark Hamill, Annie Potts. You'll watch the movie. You'll fall in love with Annie Potts. Check it out at our archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other great pop culture podcasts and our home, of course. Woo! But let's get to it. I'm going to give you my first drink order, if you will. Are you ready for it? I want you to whip me up a tequila sunrise. Just another tequila sunrise. And I'm going to leave you with a song from the Heavenly Kid soundtrack. The song is called Heart of Love by Jamie Bond. So put on your favorite swimsuit. Tell your mother you're bartending at Brian's because we're about to get our party on. See you on the other side. Here again, Kate, for another one of the glorious <laughs> Hudson Five. These have gone well so far, you know, to varying degrees of rewatchability, if you will. Right. <laughs> but they all have a certain quality to them. I can't put my finger on it, but th- there's something like unique about them. I guess a big thing is like I haven't seen most of them, and I hadn't seen this one as well. But today we're talking about 1985's The Heavenly Kid. <laughs> I, I feel weird asking you to introduce yourself again because I feel like we've been recording a lot. Not that that's a bad thing. But... I'm like the Tom Hanks of this podcast. I think I'm like the most. I have to be your like most on guest at this point, right? I'd have to count, but you're certainly getting up there. You know, in terms of well, 2020, yes, of course. But um, yeah, I'd really have to count. I mean, it's up there. Like like I said to you off air, I need to like, give you some kind of different title that I need to figure out besides show booker, which is what you're... right. I'm your Tom Hanks. You know how he's, I feel like it's him and Alec Baldwin. No, well, Alec Baldwin has hosted, I think, as much as Tom Hanks, but now that he's basically a cast member of SNL, maybe he's, right? He's in an ambiguous area, so who knows? Whatever. We'll figure something out. He's SNL's Kate Hudson is what it is. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) Regardless, I guess, still introduce yourself if this is someone's first episode. Okay. Well, my name is Kate Hudson. I am class of 2002. Thunderbirds. T-Birds let the dogs out. And I'm going to switch it up for a second. And I'm going to introduce my middle school mascot, too, because I've been thinking of those days lately. And that's new. I was the Wendler Rams. So how about that? Ooh, Rams the T-Birds. That's cool. It's very Alaskan. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you contributed that as well. Uh, A nice switch up is good. Right? Something new. I noticed that you were getting nostalgic on Twitter about middle school. Uh, elementary school. So I've had the same idiotic friends since, <laughs> like, 
and I, they're, they're, we're all idiots since like I was 10 years old. So this is, this is relevant because that friendship carried us into high school. And now in our mid thirties, we have a group text where we just basically rag on each other at all times. So this came up because I still get really angry about our last spelling test of the year. It's great. <laughs> like I'm still furious about it 22 years on because these motherfuckers. Okay. So the last spelling test of the year, we were allowed to pick our own words. Right. And I was like, Oh, life on easy street. We're all just going to pick Mickey mouse words that kind of seem like they're hard, but not really. So we don't have to study and we can just, you know, just whatever. And these motherfuckers ran to the fucking dictionary and we're pulling out words like Jodfers, which I'd never heard of. So like Zygot, anti-disentelligmentarianism, supercalifragilis, wow. right? And like, I'm still mad at these assholes because they made me work and I don't like to work. So <laughs> I, like to, I like to bring this up at least once or twice a year just to remind them I picked Eagle and they made it hard for all of us. Yeah. I mean, wow. Well, one, your friends, right? Wouldn't you strategize? But even still, I would have at least picked funny words that if they were hard at least they would get a laugh out of people not like let's stump other people i'm with you on that like eagle is the perfect word because it's not phonetic it looks like you kind of are trying when you picked it but it's still (laughs) really easy but you know what i we got a revenge in high school actually there's four of us in this little group two of us graduated early myself included and so what we would do when my partner in crime would come back from college and our friends were still in high school their senior year, what we would do is we would drive around late at night and go knock on their windows and ask them to come out with us, knowing full well they had to go to school the next day. And, <laughs> like, and every single time they would fall for it and take this like it was a valid request. It was awesome. Oh, my God. That's a win-win. <laughs> right? Like, we just, like, the more we did it... Like, the funnier we thought it was and the more irritated they thought it was. And the thing is, is, like, they always fell for it. They've known me at that point for seven years. And they were like, oh, this is classic Kate Hudson. Like, I should just not engage. <laughs> like, they engaged every time and treated it like it was a valid request. Like, two knuckleheads coming to their window at 1030 <laughs> at night on a Tuesday evening was, like, an appropriate thing to do. It was great. Oh, my God. So your legacy, your high school legacy continued past high school. It's- it's good to know. Oh, yeah. I'm still <laughs> friends with these like these dinguses to this day. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that I've had for that long. And it's it could be weird when I get new friends. Mm-hmm. Everyone out there, I love you. It's great. But sometimes new friends can be a difficult thing to navigate because I have a relationship with my old friends. And if you read our text messages, you would think we were the meanest people in the world. Me being the meanest <laughs> to all of them. So when I like gain a new friend and like I push that envelope, often it's like, wow, you're an asshole. Like, no, this is just how I talk. Uh, Being an adult is weird. A hundred percent. So our text group yesterday, one of our friends was like, I cut my bangs. It looks terrible. And then the other one was like, here's what you do to do like a good bang cut. I'm like, no, fuck that advice. Here's what you do. You put a bull on your head and you just cut around the lip of the bull. (laughs) Nailed it. And like, that's we're no, I'm with you. We're just idiots. But the thing is about having friends that long is that you can just be kind of mean and funny and sarcastic and tease each other. And it's okay. And I love that. Yeah, that's the best part of it. That's for sure. There's no easy segue into the heavenly kid. So we'll just kind of talk about it. Well, teasing, teasing, speaking of teasing, time (laughs) jumps, you know, (laughs) montages, montages. What's your history with this film? Why is this film in the Kate Hudson Five of the five most glorious films in your life? I was trying to 
trying to remember how I even watched it. I think the theme for these movies are movies that I must have encountered late at night when I was a teenager or a teenager, I think. I don't know. I, I But I love this movie. It's just a movie I know about. Maybe it was because I really liked Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. And I thought the guy in it was hot. So I sought out his other movies and he's really only been in this movie. So who knows? That's like super interesting. I haven't seen that film as well. <gasps> uh. Oh, you got to go watch it. It has nothing to do with high school, but it has everything to do with, uh, what's that guy's name? Jeff Goldblum. Perhaps that'll be your uh, recommendation for later because it does look interesting. I was reading about it earlier when I was going through like people's IMDb's and such. It's excellent. <laughs> now... I'd never seen this movie. I couldn't find a (laughs) picture of the back of the VHS or DVD. So I'm just going to read the Amazon summary because this film is free on Amazon. And I think because I've been watching the other Hudson 5 films, it keeps teasing me with it. Like every time I finish a film, that's the next film that pops up. Like, do you want to watch this? (laughs) I noticed in the customers have also watched category, Hiding Out was there. And I think that's our doing. Because, yeah, because customers is Kate Hudson. (laughs) Right? It's it's a good movie. Spoilers, I enjoyed it. This is what it says on Amazon. It doesn't really have the good back of 80s VHS appeal, but whatever. It says, a fantasy comedy about a cocky teen who, in 1968, dies in a fiery crash, parentheses, chicken race, and can't get into heaven until he makes amends on Earth by helping out a young nerd in 1985. First of all, there is no way... That that year is 1968 that he dies. Like, it just doesn't have the feel of 1968, you know? No, because the movie says early 60s. Okay, so you're touching on the thing that every time I watch this movie, I have to, like, I cannot make the math work on the timeline on this movie. Like, No, no. Can't. Oh, no. <laughs> it does not work. The only way it works is if, let's say it is, let's pick, what's the latest date of the early 60s that this could potentially 64. 64. 64. Okay, so... How old is our main character in your mind? Like 17, 18 at most. Okay, so we'll say 17, right? 64 plus 17. I should be able to do that, but I won't. 81. (sighs) The only argument you could make is that this somehow takes place in 1981, despite it coming out in 1985. That's definitely not true. We're being generous there. For this to be 64, it still is a stretch to me. This looks like 61 to me, you know, like 60, 61. Yeah. I have thought about this movie for 20 years, and I've never (laughs) been able to make the math work, like, ever. Okay, so I'm a nerd. I've just pulled up – I went on eBay to see if we can't find a VHS box. Oh, smart. Right? So they're selling one with the tagline on the top, Teenage Hero returns 20 years later as the guardian angel of his own son, which, spoilers – because that's like the twist at the end of the yes. movie. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> so done. But like it, even then, it doesn't work. So the kid is either like a super senior and has been there for ages. <laughs> like it just, none of this makes sense. Like no. I, even if you make it 64 to 84 when the movie was filmed, because I looked up when this movie was filmed, my friend. And like maybe she had the kid, like maybe she got pregnant that night, December 1964. So the kid was born 65. <laughs> If he's a super senior, like, he got held back a year. That's the only way it makes sense. And even then, you're stretching the math. Yeah, no, no way. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And but that's fine. Honestly, it's not I'm not angry at it. It's just funny to me. And good researching by the way. I don't know if you're like gunning to replace me on this show, but you've been doing things a lot better than me these days. So, I appreciate I, I, it. I I've pulled up the back of the Do you want me to send you the link so you can read the back of the the box? Why don't you just go for it and just, you know, do your thing and you read it. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> okay, it says, A Tale of Divine Intervention. Heavenly Kid is a story of a teenage hero who dies in a car crash and returns 20 years later as the guardian angel of his own son. The story begins in the early 60s. Two cars race down a dirt strip towards a sheer cliff. Joe Barnes leaps from his vehicle before it reaches the edge. Bobby Fontana, this is the entire movie. Bobby Fantana is trapped <laughs> behind the wheel as his own car car hurdles into space and crashes in flames on the rocks below years later in the 1980s bobby is still in permanent limbo as a not yet quote-unquote heavenly kid bobby's <laughs> just wait this it's, its own math is fucked up bobby's ticket to heaven is an assignment to help lenny a 17 year old loner a loser a sort of hopeless whip oh that God. the tough cocky bobby used to despise it's almost over bobby is almost too successful this is literally the entire movie <laughs> the new cocky, confident Lenny puts on puts his own wheels and motions for a dangerous game of deja vu, an encounter on the road where the past and present meet in this comic yet heart-stopping fantasy. Invisible men, driverless cars, oh and God. fun that only an angel and a teenage boy can conjure up. It was fun being on the other side of that, and you're absolutely right. That is the entire film. I'm starting to think that. Look, I have a lot of theories about this, but maybe one of the theories now is, like, they say, oh, this is the amount of space you have to fill on the back of the, the VHS, so right? right away, like, do what you gotta do. Like, it's not about, like, you know, success in summarizing the movie or even selling it. It's just like, we need something there. Fill it. Right, and, like, they probably write the entire movie to show they actually watched the film. <laughs> that's That's a good idea, too, because often we've said on here that it seems like a lot of them are written by people who didn't watch the film. So maybe <laughs> these are the ones who just like needed to stand out. Be like, or that maybe they got in trouble for a previous one. You know, this is a segue, but I'm like um, kind of fascinated with how like work operated before the internet and before like there was really checks on things. Like <laughs> people on Twitter just like saying what the fuck to things because like you could work in like the VHS warehouse that did this and pretty much write whatever you wanted on the back of something who was going to check you on it but I don't the know. math doesn't even add up on that there's inconsistencies in that description incredible too because, inconsistencies right like th this is the one thing i can really talk shit about the heavenly kid the time and the math does not add up it just doesn't so you math fans out there apologies you're not going to enjoy this one <laughs> I guess the only way this makes sense is he travels back to, like 20 years to the future and it's a 17 year old kid and it's his kid is that there was a turkey baster involved in a freezer. And like, she, <laughs> like that's the only way this makes sense. And it's weird. So obviously this is my first watch. It didn't bother me at all because I didn't know that that was his kid. Right. Like it's the whole time they're trying to say it's his friend's kid. And if they got married and, you know. They had the kid a couple years later. It, it makes sense. But once they say that, you're like, wait a minute. How is right? that possible? You know? So one of the things I did want to discuss is that this comes from an era that, you know, maybe Back to the Future is the biggest, biggest film, I guess, in this. But we also talked about Peggy Sue Got Married, you and I, on this podcast. 1986. 86. There you go. And all the way up to, like, the, I would say, early 90s, there is that, like... 
fifties, sixties nostalgia. Like oh yeah, that like was, Shag the movie. That's like nineteen eighty nine. It's great. Yeah, I mean that's a good example too. Haven't seen it, but that's. Uh, <laughs> Wait, why did we talk? We talked about that recently. Maybe not with me, because I don't talk about it too much because it's incredibly racist. No, but someone in Shag was in another movie we recently did. Oh, Annabeth Gish. That's yes, why. Yes, yes, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I do talk about it. The tangled webs we weave. But that's just like something they do, right? Like if you're going to go back in time, it almost has to be the greaser era. You see this in horror films as well. Uh, you know, I've done some on this podcast or even Christine, a, a film we've done on this podcast, like has that kind of nostalgia. It's weird, but I get it. Like eventually the eighties became cool. Then the nineties became cool. This is just something we do as humans. Like, you know, take a decade, say we love it. And then we move on to a different decade. I think that with the sixties in particular, I was thinking about this last night, actually, when I was watching it, is that there's such a defined difference in that 20 year period between the the 60s and the 80s like Mm -hmm. there's there's nothing aesthetically that looks alike whereas you could take 20 years ago which as much as i hate to say it is 2000 or like (laughs) the late 90s even like there's still a thread of pop culture that's still sort of the same and there's still a similar sort of look and like a similar attitude and similar like the way teenagers act in in a certain sense but like between the 60s and the 80s, that's a major difference. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I don't know if we'll ever get things like that again, because we have such a capability to just archive stuff and look back. I mean, for God's sake, we just watched The Heavenly Kid, which would have probably been forgotten if it wasn't for streaming services, right? <laughs> I I bought it on DVD when it came out 20 years ago. <laughs> you so. might still be watching it, but <laughs> let's say like streaming never happened and we still had to go to our local blockbuster to get movies this movie would have been cleared out for newer stuff they're not like expanding the store you know they would have just like kept the classics and had the new ones and this would have one would have been probably largely forgotten thank god it wasn't because i might not even have a podcast if that's the case but (laughs) it's uh it's just interesting like i don't think you're ever gonna see that kind of uh, maybe you will, but I think it'll take more time, right? Because even, like we're saying, 1961 to 1969 looks almost completely different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's not so much like the loss of the video store and like streaming gives us like such better opportunities to see stuff we've never seen. I think that we have lost that ability to see stuff we've never seen, but it honestly came in the form of like late night movies on TV. Like now we have mm. so many curated list just for us that are like on demand at any given moment that you don't have the patience to just turn on the tv and get sucked into something i'm pretty certain that's how i saw the heavenly kid was like a late night tbs or tnt you know movie marathons so i think that there's something to be said that it's true it's harder to discover things now because everything is so highly curated that had you not watched hiding out this never would have even popped up on your radar you know absolutely i mean you make a really good point we almost have so much now that it's hard to find things yeah in new york i'm sure they had it everywhere but in new york there's a channel wpix it was like the local channel now it's still there but obviously we have so many channels so many streaming services but like my mom used to say like growing up they used to do like a either saturday night movie or sunday night movie Everyone in New York used to watch it, used to talk about it at school the next day. And, you know, no one picked the movie. They picked it for you. And while maybe it's not like these late night cinema stuff, it's still (laughs) interesting. Like a lot of people wouldn't have been exposed to things like Jaws or like whatever, a TV cut of Jaws. Jaws was big. I know that. But 
I mean, like Jaws five years or seven years later, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point. And there's so many movies growing up that I just saw because of TV. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Of course. Yeah. No, late night TV is how I saw a lot of movies that I hold very near and near to my heart now. Like, very near. (laughs) (laughs) I had this question. I don't know. It popped up in my mind when I was... It might not have been for this film, but for another film... You've said on the podcast that you grew up with a lot of siblings. Are all your siblings this into this, this into films like this, or was this just like a you thing? It's an interesting question. Um, I think we're all into our own. I think we prioritize being entertained above all else as far as art consumption goes. Mm-hmm. So. I would say that, yeah, I think that my brothers in particular, my little sister seven years younger than me, so I don't really know her in that way. Mm-hmm. But I'd say my brothers, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Because that's how I saw They Live where my dumb brothers reenacting it so many <laughs> times I had to go see it. Like specifically talking about how it's the greatest movie of all time. You know, I think we get it from my dad, to be honest. Going to the, movie, the video store on Friday nights used to be like the thing we did. And we were allowed to pick out whatever. And he's a big fan of like shitty B-movies for that's lack awesome. of a better term. That's awesome. Yeah, so like I saw the entire Lorenzo Lamas direct to TV, uh, direct wow. to video, like Oeuvre, <laughs> because of my dad. So yeah, I think I like you're jogging distant memories, but yeah, I mean, we would always rent the blockbusters too, but everyone in my family has a very soft spot for like entertaining B movies that teach you absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, you know, you've been on this podcast a lot. I think it's time we peel the onion. So I'm glad, I'm glad we got to hear that. Interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. I just think that there's a certain level of discourse around movies that has gotten so far up its own ass that like drives me insane. And I think that as a result, entertaining decent movies that like have a really like high rewatchability factor have fallen by the wayside. And as such, like I feel like people don't make them anymore because they don't win awards. And for whatever reason, you know, if they're not part of a franchise, like they're just not as well regarded. And I like that, that bothers me. I feel like on some level, like snobby discourse has taken over movies to the point where you either have like Parasite or you have the fucking Marvel franchise. And there's just a lot in between that's fallen by the wayside. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if I really wanted to film snob up this podcast, I could pick like the hundred best teen movies and be done with it there. And right? I, honestly, I'd probably get more listeners and all that, <laughs> but I don't care. Like, this is just as fun to me. No, I agree. I just think that those good movies, like, just, they place such a high importance on talking at you rather than entertaining you. Movies should entertain. I'm very much a populist when it comes to films. Like, <laughs> they should be fucking entertaining first and foremost. Like, I do think there's room for artistic films and stuff like that, but there's also room for the heavenly kid and things like right this. like i don't think anyone who was making this movie is like oh i'm making this art piece it's going to change oh, society no, no and, and and that's the beauty of it i think this is all interconnected i feel like you know when i originally reached out to you be, to be on your podcast i was a fan of your writing on pajiba and <laughs> a lot of that kind of you know you bring a lot of that stuff to your writing that's for sure i have a friend of mine who, this is going to sound creepy but not i have a friend of mine who's like who really turned me on to Pajiba, specifically you, who's like, she's like really obsessed with your writing. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this episode because she's going to be like, oh my God, you added me. But she's like, what's Kate Hudson like? She seems so fun. And, <laughs> and I'm like, podcast-wise, she's pretty similar to her writing style. So I don't know. 
<laughs> Listen, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouths, but let's just, yeah. Like, I will tell you that my friends, like in real life, they're like, I hear that in your voice. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I try to instill it with a sense of fun because like real life is a drag, man. You gotta like, like snatch those moments of levity and joy where you can, because like shit, you don't know where your next laugh is going to come from, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, like, I don't know you as long as your friends obviously have known you. I know you through this podcast. But this is not like shower love on Kate Hudson time. Sorry, <laughs> Please <but>. don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's appreciated that, you know, someone out there can appreciate films like this and bring a film like this to my attention because <laughs> I had a blast watching this movie. That's my point. Right? It's like, I, so I rewatched Fear and Hiding Out. Well, obviously I watch Fear a lot, Marky Mark and Fear. But <laughs> I watched a little bit like, oh, what did I get Brian into with this? Like, especially with Hiding Out. I'm like, what was my drunk ass thinking? But like, Heavenly Kid, I probably hadn't seen, no joke, in about 10 years, even though I own the DVD. And it was really enjoyable. The only, like, Problem I had were one, the math, and two, I don't know if your research found this out, but like the Amazon Prime streaming was in full screen, and I was really confused if they shot this movie in full screen. So I've noticed that a lot on Prime, specifically with movies like this. I recently recorded a podcast for this rando Keanu Reeves movie called Flying. Um, it has different titles, Dream to Believe. It has like nine titles, trust me. It's it's like a Canadian-made kind of flash dance high school movie. The guys at Cage Club also did a podcast called Keanu Club. And I've been on that. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And they wanted to <laughs> revisit that film because it was one of their more fun episodes early on. So we we did an episode on that. And on Amazon streaming, it looked like shit. Well, not only was it full screen, it looked like I was watching a VHS copy. So... There is somebody who works for Amazon. I don't know how these things work. That's not my job. But who just takes, I believe, the VHS copies and puts uh-huh. them on streaming. And I believe that's what this was oh. in some form. Or an early DVD copy of some sort. Like, I assumed, like, if it's on Amazon, not that it's going to be in, like, super HD, but at least they have, like, original film yeah, they, copies. Yeah. Or something, you know? But this is, from what I understand... Sometimes when they get things, that's all that exists. And sometimes the film has been destroyed and all they have is like either the <laughs> early run DVDs or like uh, VHSs and stuff like that. And that's so fascinating to me. So I'm looking this up right now and apparently my DVD, which is somewhere <clears throat> in a box somewhere because I'm moving, has an aspect ratio of widescreen. So at some point I'll have to, once I'm finally moved and settled in, I'm going to have to pull it out and watch and see if that's the same aspect ratio because it, it felt like the movie was fine in a full screen ratio oh yeah because i i think they made this movie with the intention of like oh maybe we'll sell it to a tv network and they'll air it so the young kate hudson of the world can watch it you know <laughs> <laughs> i hope so i hope they do this again we need more b movies damn it we really do it's something i've talked about a lot. again I promise all you heavenly kid fans out there we'll talk about the movie trust me but it's something, <laughs> it's something that i've talked about before because only like horror has a b genre now you know yeah like, everything else has to be perfect and artistic and it's really disappointing thousand percent agree listen there's no surprises in this movie even when it's quote-unquote a surprise at the end that the kid is his kid like and there's something it's like wearing like a comfortable sweater like it's just you know all the story beats that this movie's gonna have and you just get to enjoy it for what it is you know i don't yeah i don't need to have that like whiteboard chart behind me trying to figure out every single plot 
right? Like, sometimes I need just something to be on the couch and fucking watch, if that makes sense. Yeah! And Heavenly Kid is definitely one of those movies. It's a great (laughs) hangover movie. That's a good way to put it. I was going to say, you know, this is called High School Slumber Party, and it's another one of those just slumber party movies. Oh, yeah. Just you could have on in the background and still have a conversation. I I don't have to piece anything together here. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, the nice thing about this movie in particular, like, I listen, I had a crush on the lead back in the day because he was perfect Tommy (laughs) in Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. But, like... This is something that we saw in uh, Hiding Out, and it's something, not in fear, because they're, like, whatever. But it's, like, it's like a normal-looking cast, and, like, this is pre-everyone had to have the same nose in Hollywood. This is pre-everyone has to have, like, the, the veneers on their teeth. It's pre-everything. So it just seems like you're watching better-than-average people, better-looking-than-average better people act, rather than, like, perfect human specimens that were created in a lab, too. And, like, there's something comforting about watching that, too. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, I made that note, too. I don't know why. I'm just doing the opposite of what I just said, but I was kind of, like, having a lot of philosophical questions while watching this film. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them was, like, do any actors go in and be like, you know, I don't want to win Oscars or I don't want to do these artistic things. Like, I would just be okay with doing a lot of B-movies like this and just being normal and relatable. Because maybe there's not the market for it today, but at the time, you click on a lot of these people's IMDb's, and a lot of them, I was like, wow, I've never seen any of this, but they still worked a lot, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily the actors. I think the actors just want to work, at least the ones I've met. It's the True. people It's the people above that that make the decisions. They're like, oh, well, sh- we'd, we'd cast her, but, you know, she's got to fix her nose first or lose 20 pounds or like – it's the same for the guys too. Like they all look the same. They've all had the chin implants. They all have to wear like rugs on their head now. Like Chris Evans is bald, but he has to wear a lace front when he goes out. Like there's just a level of perfection. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No, he's straight up bald. He's talked about it. Wow. I mean, it's, yeah. It's like I just feel like movies now and frankly how like for the past – almost 20 years like we've been in the uncanny valley with these actors that they're they're tweaked to a point that is inhuman and you can see that now on screen versus like in 1985 like you know lewis smith he's a good looking dude but he clearly hasn't had like a lot of work done and and i don't mean that as a knock against him no it's like a compliment yeah like even (laughs) the kid he looks normal and there's no way that guy looking like that could be cast now no there's just no way again like normal and you don't mean that as an insult he really looks normal yeah (laughs) it's uncanny valley chris evans should be allowed to be bald like in public you know what i mean like (laughs) i can now see the nose job the la nose job on actors like nobody has a nose like that in real life nobody oh that's so depressing it's so depressing it's listen people there is not one actor you love in a major motion picture that has not had a nose job it's just it's yeah well at least we can talk about non-nose job actors today (laughs) right You mentioned Lewis Smith. You are obviously familiar with him. Um. Love him. Love him. Love him. Is he in anything else besides uh, your buckaroo thing? Uh, So I will tell you, I looked him up in the past year and he runs like an acting class workshop in like Santa Monica now. Like he transitioned out because Hollywood's horrible. I'm terrible, but like I hear that and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be an actor, but I would take that class because I just want to like talk to this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah imagine the stories this guy has like he was in a lot of cool b movies in the 80s like that's a great like career hey it's not out of the realm of possibility for you and i we've done it before lewis smith if you're out there hit me up (laughs) yeah reach out get in touch we'll talk about a movie that you weren't in 
<laughs> we could do that too. Who knows? It could be as entertaining as Charlie. Charlie's um, great. We lucked out with Charlie. We can't play a roulette like that again. Okay? It won't turn out well. <laughs> uh, so the lead you mentioned, uh, Jason Gedrick, I had not seen him in anything. And that's kind of going to be a recurring theme, right? Had you recognized him from anything? Oh, God, no. I had to look him up. The only person I recognize, and it took me a second, and I had, other than Jane Kazimerich, was the the hot uh, jock asshole. He's in other things? Yeah, he was in, like, two other things. And, the like, so I watch a lot of Law, Law & Order SVU, like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and he's the floppy-haired doctor who, like, Benson and Stabler would occasionally run into at the hospital. He'd be like, it was real bad for her, real bad attack. He's like, get this monster off the street. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it. Like he has, he had that face. I'm like, I've seen this guy before. His eyes. His eyes. Yeah. That's where I remember him from. You're right. Yeah. His hair is not floppy in this movie, but that's him. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's the only other dude I I recognized. Now, um, what's his name? Oh, no. Mark Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Metcalf. Yeah. Well, you recognize his voice. Right, because I I am a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He. So he. Yeah. He's in Buffy. Well. <laughs> he is the master. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I didn't really like. I kind of remember the voice, but then when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And it seems like he's still. I mean, he worked in 2019. It seems like he is still occasionally working. You know. So that's cool. Well, he's also, like, he's, like, in his 70s now. Like, he dude deserves to, like, enjoy the sweet life of retirement. Yeah, and, like, you could see, like, he did a lot of a series, like, TV series, like, you know, like, one or two episode kind of things. Seinfeld fans will recognize him as the Ma- Maestro. I don't know. He was in the, the Seinfeld episodes, and that counts. Oh! Uh, so, like, I mean- yeah. If you Google image him in Seinfeld you, and you've seen Seinfeld, you'll be like, oh, I remember that guy. He's Buffy to me. Like, he's Buffy. And then I forget he's in the Heavenly Kid. And I'm like, nah, he's Heavenly Kid, too. <laughs> but that's because if you're in Buffy, that basically overwrites everything else you've done. And you're always going to be in Buffy to me. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And he also... Oh, Animal House. He was in Animal House. Oh, this is what I was going to mention. He was also very much featured in this very short-lived TGIF, like, the, you know, ABC used to have their TGIF lineup. Oh, yeah. One of the replacement shows, once they, like, stopped doing, uh, like, Boy Meets World and shit, was Teen Angel. And Teen Angel was a surprisingly similar premise to this, except it wasn't, like, a guy going back in time for his son. Teen Angel was a show that lasted maybe a season. I watched this show. Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> but I watched it. I think every kid in America did because at the time you were just like, I'm going to watch whatever they have on this channel this time, you know? And yeah, so the kid died, but then he became his best friend's guardian angel. And I know somebody who made this show watched the heavenly kid and was like, oh, we should use this guy because there's too similar not to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we have enough time, we should go into like... We don't have enough time today, but in the productions and see who like overlaps on Teen Angel. <laughs> but, but I always get Teen Angel confused with the other show called Teen Angel with Jason Priestley that they used to show in the Mickey, the new Mickey Mouse Club in the early nineties at the end. Oh of the my episode. god, yeah, that's Good what callback. I always think of. Good oh yeah, <laughs> this is Teen Angel was a little bit past my prime. I was in seventh grade, so I was like, I'm not watching TGIF anymore. But I definitely saw a few episodes. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't watch religiously, obviously, but what? Who did? (laughs) (laughs) 
So let's get into it. Let's uh, talk about some of your favorite scenes and, and whatever here or some moments. I mean, we've been talking about it throughout, but I know you need to get tape from Target or whatever. So let's, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's social uh, distancing. Yeah, with social distancing, of course. Um, we have to talk about the montages because this movie is one third montage and I fucking love it. Yeah. And it's it's not long. What is it? An hour 20, hour 30, maybe? Yeah. It's maybe. made for people with short attention spans. So I love it. You know, so our, our opening scene, right, is just like. It's very akin to Rebel Without a Cause. They're oh, obviously yeah. trying to do that, like the game of chicken, which astonishes me because, like, it's a very expensive game, right? Like, you have to destroy a car or two cars, essentially. Well, I feel like they go to a junkyard and get a car that still works, and, like, that's how they do it. But it, that, it was unclear how they get these cars just to destroy them. I don't understand, too. Like, okay, let's say they do that. They go to a junkyard. How do they know each car works equally, right? And, yeah, and how do they know that one's not going to explode if you keep driving? Like, they don't. They Teenagers are idiots. Good call. Good call. I always forget that. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to mention, um, it's not, I guess, not technically a montage, but this has a curated soundtrack, right? It's like almost, not all original <laughs> music, but a lot of original music. And when... Our, I guess our when the heavenly kid dies in a fiery explosion, I feel like the song was really inappropriate to show someone like burning to death. <laughs> right? I loved it. I think it was. I think it makes the movie charming. What, do you want some like funeral dirge? Because that's gonna like bum us all out for the next hour and fifteen minutes. We're like, oh, he's dead. But no, you, like, but play a kicky '80s number about how you're like going to the next life. It's great. <laughs> well, remember, I, I I'm coming in with zero expectations. I see a guy fall off the cliff, the <laughs> car explode, and he's burning to death. And it's just like exactly the song you're saying. Like it's like a hopeful, upbeat. Like what's gonna happen next? It's like <laughs> well, okay. So first off, there's no way he burned to death. He died on impact. Like he was dead the moment that car. Okay, hit the but ground. his corpse is at least gonna burn. Yeah, but you know, my favorite part about that scene is how his last words are "oh shit," because those would totally be my last words too. <laughs> Realistic. Well, oh, why yeah. didn't he get out of the car? Like, what was the issue? His little necklace got not necklace. His little bracelet got caught on the um. The, the gear shift. Okay. Okay. So that was like an accident, right? At, at one point, I'm like, maybe the other guy set him up somehow. I don't know. But <laughs> I think you're looking for more from this movie than it was ever going to give you. Apologies then. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he's dead. I mean, if they had been like, dun, 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 it would, it would be a bummer town USA thing other than like a kicky. Well, this teenager's dead. Let's, let's see what happens next. You know? Fair, fair. So we get our like little transition to heaven, which is actually an Atlanta uh, subway <laughs> station, the Atlanta Metro. I forget what it's called. What do you think of this whole aspect? You know, like a lot of loved people it. Just... <laughs> loved it. I love any scene in a movie where there's a lot going on that are like doing callbacks to different periods, and like I love it. It's like a Where's Waldo. It's kind of weird because like I don't understand like when you die, you're put to a. Di- I'm sorry. I'm reading too into this. <laughs> so, so it's Midtown. You go to Purgatory, and then they basically make you wait on a subway train, and the right appropriate assignment comes up for you. Yeah, so when you die, you either go up to Uptown on these mm-hmm. escalators, down to Downtown, which is hell, which we don't really see, and then Midtown is you're waiting on like a train for years, essentially. He's sitting next to like, a Civil War guy. 
again, I had questions I shouldn't have. One thing I really thought about you <laughs> while watching this is that often your excuse for these kind of questions for 80s films is cocaine. Um, oh, yeah. It wasn't, yeah. like, super wacky here, but... Okay. It was a little direct- cooked out. Yeah. The director only directed two things in his entire life, and they were both in 1985, which is odd, right? And this entire film is shot in Miami. I have to imagine <laughs> this is somehow funded by cocaine, right? Like, At least fueled it by it, right? <laughs> My favorite coked out shot was um, at one point he's looking through his workplace and uh, like seeing like something go down in the kitchen and above the door it says you don't have to be nuts to work here but it sure helps like that was so coked out to me <laughs> because it was such a bad juxtaposition of like goofy with I think serious I was like ah oh, coke totally some coked out monster thought that was a good idea I mean there has to be some connection I don't know director what's your name let me see director Carrie Medaway if you're out there if you have any insight if you weren't killed in the drug wars please <laughs> reach out um, <laughs> but also we're not blaming the director because it could be the producers or the financers somebody was on coke in this movie i well, basically any movie in the 80s that was coke <laughs> very fair to say what i like about this film that there is very little bullshit right away it doesn't take long for him to i guess get his assignment and be sent to 1985 or, or just as present <laughs> What's the guy's name that he, like, uh, who assigns him? Uh, Rafferty. Rafferty, yes. He reminded me of, uh, God, I'm forgetting everyone's name today, but he reminded me of... Uh, George Carlin? Uh, George, yes, exactly. George Carlin's character in uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He's always that, like, in-between, you know, they, they have these, like, in-between person because they don't want to, like, depict God or an angel or whatever, and he's just, like, this old dude on a motorcycle. And who looks he, like he stepped out of Mad Max. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. It's it is pretty awesome. And he's guiding him through this process and he's like basically if you want to go to heaven and not either go to to downtown or stay in midtown which is just like a dive bar. Um, <laughs> which honestly sounds great. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, right? Like there's a buffet and free drinks and you don't die. So And friendly people. Like that honestly sounds really pleasant. <laughs> no, you're right. But he says, basically, this is the kid you have to help out. You know, you kind of just got to save him from shit. And, you know, if you earn your stripes, you get to go uptown. So <laughs> <laughs> There's not much else to the film, you know, premise than that. And he's still in his greaser mode, which I like. And yes. the kid is just, not the heavenly kid, the kid he helps out, Lenny, is just, I guess, kind of like a dork, right? He's got a friend who's super nice. She's she's that typical 80s, like, super sweet, nice girl. Like, oh, the right girl's right under your nose. but Exactly. I, you haven't found it yet. <laughs> you know what I love about these films? Huh. The girl who's the best friend who's right under your nose and the supposed popular pretty girl that, like, the guy wants are not that different in, like, prettiness if you will you know they're different in sluttiness and that's yes. what our boy lenny prioritized in that aspect yes but it's not like oh here's like the girl who's wearing the neck brace you know like <laughs> that's your friend as opposed to like this popular cheerleader it's, it's always funny that way and it's not because like they're both super hot if you will 
it's what you said. Like, they just kind of both look like regular normal people. Like, a little hotter than regular normal people. I, I yeah. like that. <laughs> it's funny. This movie is very accessible from a cast attractiveness perspective, which is not to say the cast is not attractive. It's just that they're attractive in, like, a better-looking-than-average person in your hometown as opposed to Chris Evans with his lace front wig and his nose job, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned the montages. I love a good montage. I love a good getting dressed and having your outfit shot down montage. That's like one of my favorite tropes in movies. And we get that. Makeovers can be problematic in films. Doesn't mean I still love every single makeover scene I've ever seen. So, <laughs> and I did enjoy this one. This is not like a, oh, you, it is a, you have to be different, but it kind of makes sense because a greaser is helping him out. And all those 80s outfits that they go shopping so for good. are so amazing, right? I just like how he picked an outfit that's kind of greaser inspired, but still 80s, you know? And still cool. Yeah. Listen, I will never shit on a makeover montage ever. I love them. Even if they are pl- problematic, they're my favorite. And I love that this one, we got to see like a Michael Jackson look. We got to like, <laughs> we got to see all the best, AKA the worst 1984 had to offer. And it's like, it's such a fun time capsule. And then he just makes him naked for no reason, which is like, okay, you do you, Heavenly Kid. That's kind of weird, but it's an added weird bonus in that montage. That was super weird because they didn't need to, I mean, whatever, but I I didn't need to see like a teenager's ass in this film, you know? (laughs) And by the way, I don't want to sound creepy, but like he he definitely knew, and I think we talked about this on Twilight, but he definitely knew he was at least taking his shirt off because that, that like dorky kid was jacked. I don't know if you noticed, but like he was like cut. I did notice this time. Like, good for him, but yeah. Right? He definitely got like, hey, you got to take your shirt off in this film. He's like, shit, I got to hit the gym. Yeah. I mean, I always pay attention to the Heavenly Kid because I like that look, too. The greaser look. They, <laughs> Lewis, listen, Lewis Smith has not been cast in a lot, but what he has been cast in, he's been perfectly cast. Guys out there who match up with Kate Hudson on a dating website, take notes. <laughs> Dress like a greaser from the 50s and talk like that. That'll work. Uh, probably, but <laughs> at least for a night. <laughs> then I'd be like, that guy was weird. I would probably think he was a time traveler and then ask you a lot of questions to like, trip you up. Be really honest here. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, great montage scene. It's hard to, for, I'm finding it hard to kind of talk about this film because it's kind of just one that doesn't have a lot of substance, but I was still entertained, if that makes sense. Oh, none of it has. But it's like, <laughs> it's like eating like, pop tarts for dinner it tastes good you don't like you're like you're probably hungry an hour after but like it was fun while it lasted (laughs) my favorite is how like his montage with his like with his girlfriend where they walk amongst the stars that's like that's my favorite montage oh okay like you know so as this is going on right we as the audience if it's your first time watch don't know that this kid is actually uh, you know, the Heavenly Kid's son. Because the math doesn't add up, so why would you think that? We kind of glossed over. I know we mentioned it briefly, but uh, <laughs> Jane uh, Kazimerick plays the mom, but she's also uh, the Heavenly Kid's original girlfriend. Uh, I don't know how old she was in this filming, but she's 20. Just, uh, I looked her okay. up last night. <laughs> she kind of, like, I guess because of Malcolm in the Middle, she always looks like a mom to me, so it was believable. Yeah. She looked young, too, so I wasn't, really wasn't sure. But when he sees her, he's like, oh, shit. And he just thinks it's like cruel fate. Like, oh, you know, you sent me here because she married the guy I lost this drag race to. And, and you know, this is her son and I got to help him 
That's shitty. Oh, I don't know if we mentioned yet, but like he has magical powers that, oh my God, the effects for these magical powers. So good. <laughs> we, get, we, get, we got a montage about him building out a grease, like a muscle car. It was yeah. like, they fucking knew that this movie needed musical montages. So every five minutes, it had the opposite of the Twilight pro- problem. So when you watch the next Twilight movie, you're going to notice they'll play a song for like, 10 seconds and that's it this movie played the song from start to finish and they would put a (laughs) montage in it too and i really love them for it i really do yeah he rebuilds this car for him which is like similar to like a you know a car he would probably drive in the 50s you know there's a brief scene where he's testing out his powers and they're like floating on air Uh, you know we'll talk about the ending later but there's some interesting effects in the ending as well that's my favorite the ending oh man i forgot how the ending really ends i'm like they nailed it they nailed it but before all that i think he's like you know he there's a rule right that he can't really even though he doesn't get any consequences for it really but he can't really reveal himself to any other people except the person he's helping and he's kind of a the heavenly kid i'm talking about he's kind of a perv at times like he wants to grab a girl's ass he really likes boobs um, he, he's like staring down girls' shirts. A well, bunch I mean, of there's a reason film. why he was in purgatory. Like, it, like it good makes people, sense. I'm not saying it doesn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like this is a good guy. No, and that's kind of my point. You see this throughout that, yeah, he's helping this kid, but he, he thinks his way of helping is just like making him cool uh, and just doing what he would do, like giving him like jackass pickup lines and stuff like that. <laughs> Getting him laid. Getting him laid, you know, the girl says, like, you know, we can skip the movie. We can just, you know, I forgot exactly the line she says, but it's something 80s for, like, let's have sex it's, in your it, car. It's like, uh, yeah, I wish I could remember, too, because I remember flagging it. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> get it on, I think, is what she said or something. Yeah, she's like, we can just get it on if you want something like or that. make it or something. I make wish it. I could remember. What are you going to tell her first? Hey, you don't have to coach me. I know what I'm doing. Hey, I'm still the teacher here. Remember, take it slow and easy. A girl like this, you just can't rush. Mm-hmm. Right. She needs special handling. You know what I mean? Take her somewhere real nice. Appeal to her vanity. I mean, you know, tell her, tell her how, how good her hair looks. Tell her uh, how pretty her dress is. Mm-hmm. Tell her how nice her perfume smells. And remember, romance, romance. Hi, Lenny. How do I look? Holy shit. Boy, you look great. I mean, your hair. It's so great. And your dress. It's not a dress, but it's great, too. Lenny, my parents want me home by 10. So let's skip the burgers and just get it on, okay? Other things that... You know, there's that scene where, like, I mean, I guess it's not him. It's uh, Lenny, but, like, there's the getting high scene. And I use it for... <laughs> Where they literally get high and float. It's so good. <laughs> like, oh, this cigarette tastes funny. Because, you know, I guess he never tried, like, weed in the 60s. But, <laughs> he, um, they Right, and up. he's like, we call it grass. It's like, they oh, had yeah. fucking marijuana back then. Like, come on. There's a whole subculture. Uh, even if this guy, if this wasn't this guy's scene, he definitely would have been someone who encountered it at some point. Oh, for sure. 
you know? Like, it's not like he was the square. So it was really, it was definitely funny, you know? And they float up to the top. So and... good. <laughs> so good. There's nothing subtle about this. The best part about this movie, truly, is it does all the heavy lifting for you. You don't have to look for subtext anywhere. There's no subtext. No, trust me. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't. There's nothing to see except what you see. And even then, they're still going to explain it clearly. Like, oh, so I have to do this that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is not a thinking man movie. No. Uh, again, eventually we find out that he is... You know the father, and he decides to kind of break break the truce or whatever it's called, and <laughs> talk to the mom who was his again his ex girlfriend, and that's the montage you were alluding to because they have a little bit of a date. Do you love him? Yes, I do. Same way you love me. I don't know how much time I have left, Emily. I'd like this night to be special. Date? I thought they were gonna have. Did they have sex? I wasn't sure. No, no. I think if I no. He's like. I'm glad. But he does say, "I've got all night. I want to make it count," or something. I totally thought that's where he was going. Right, but I think that's to show character growth. Sure, but he like. So what do you like about their little date? I just like how they walk into the stars. It's so cheesy. It's so good. Set to a montage, because how would I know what to feel if the song didn't tell me what to feel? They walk into the stars, set to a montage, but the montage is just like, let's go to the basketball court. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because you can't have that many montages without running out of things to montage, which they did, but they still committed to the montage. It's great. (laughs) I just, it makes me think of like, you know, a couple guys getting together because the director is also the screenwriter and just getting together and being like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, I know a guy. He's got a band. He, he can do the music. <laughs> oh, but he wants the music really featured in. He doesn't want to just like, uh, we'll do a couple montages. You know, we got time to kill anyway. Like it, it just really felt like that. It's um, amazing. I love it because montages skip ahead so you don't have to sit through exposition and that's what i love about this movie in particular no exposition they skip a lot of plot points just through a freaking montage it's great we could again use that in twilight a little bit so that would be nice yeah because twilight has the exact opposite problem you're gonna actually robert pattinson was the one who pointed this out on the twilight commentary he's like they do this thing where they play a song for 10 seconds then it's done yeah guys (laughs) you want to make sure you listen to our uh twilight forever series Uh, it's awesome i haven't seen them all so definitely want to check that out it's definitely one of the gems of high school slumber party (laughs) and it's getting me through quarantine so twilight's (laughs) twilight's saving my life right now (laughs) (laughs) so what did you like about um you know kind of his corruption of lenny the heavenly kids corruption of lenny he's slowly turning into more of like a greaser like he gets drunk a lot (laughs) he gets Hi, so the one time he dates the wrong girl. It, he, he he disses his longtime friend. What did you like about the descent? I mean, I like that it was pretty short because at that point, like just watching someone become an asshole, that's not really escapism, right? Like it's like whatever. It was fine. That's probably the weakest part of the movie. Just 
that part, but it's also comes two thirds of the way in. So like I said, they don't really focus on it too much, which is good. I don't really understand how he changed back so much because he saw that his friend was upset with him. Like, I think because he had a near-death experience, right? He almost died. And the Heavenly Kid's like, stop being a dick. He's like, okay. And then that's the end, right? No, 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 not that one. Yes, for sure. That one I understand. It's when he, like, he's still a greaser, right? But he decides to, like, dump the blonde and essentially go out with his friend and stuff. And you're starting to see, like, how he's kind of becoming a better person again that was one part where i was like this doesn't feel like it was motivated by anything uh he's well, getting like everything he wants didn't the heavenly kid say that you're being a real asshole and then basically leave yeah but like he didn't seem like he cared you know i don't know maybe there's a cut scene maybe there's a missing montage i don't know I think the point is, who knows who cares, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm having a hard time mustering up a, do we really want to talk about this motivation? Like, <laughs> I don't think. It's like, the, let's be really blunt here. The movie's not about Lenny. No one gives, no, like, Lenny is just a cipher. Lenny could have just been a sock for all we care. The movie's about the heavenly kid, man. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, Lenny's a plot device. Can we talk about how he was clearly grounded before he went on a death-defying like drag race, and how at the end of the movie, after the drag race, both his parents are like, "Okay, cool, we'll leave you to hang out at this abandoned rock quarry with your girlfriend. <laughs> There's no repercussions for your actions at all." Trust me, guys. If you're into this kind of stuff, this movie is a fun watch. However, you're right. Let's just skip to the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I found it so fascinating that the bully who, again, he stole his girlfriend, he keeps pissing him off, the big bully, he decides to challenge him to a drag race, which, you know, I was not even born in 1985. Close, but not even born. I'm pretty sure that- Ew, I'm younger. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so young. Yeah, like- <laughs> I was born. I was born. So I'll ask you this question. When you were in high school at the time, do you remember a lot of drag races in 1985? I mean, in 1985, no, but I was remembering. (laughs) We did have something called the strip, which is where people would cruise up and down and race each other. Yeah. Cruising is different, right? But But they would race each other, too. They drag race each other. Like this kind? Like chicken off a cliff? No, because there's no cliffs in Anchorage, Alaska. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I've never been. (laughs) Trust me, if the teenagers are fucking idiots, if there was a way to do this, we probably would have done. Well, not me personally, because I'm lazy, but some knuckleheads in my stupid ass high school would have found a way, like a way to drag race junker cars off a cliff. If that was <laughs> okay, sure. well, I stand corrected. Then he challenges him to this again chicken drag race at the same exact spot that his father died. Ooh, the irony. <laughs> Can we point out in the beginning, the Heavenly Kid goes and sees the wreckage of his cars. And then at the end, the, the wreckage of the cars aren't there. <laughs> I noted that, right? Because the first thing I thought was like, wait, it's still here? No one cleared this from the quarry? Right? And, and if it were still there, there's no way that wouldn't have been a drinking spot for knucklehead teenagers. Because that's what we would have done. Like, we would have partied in the like carcass of those cars. And then it's magically cleared out in time for the next drag race. Like, that doesn't make sense. Well, uh, the only thing I think of is off camera, like he used his powers to move them or something, you know, but like, oh, my son shouldn't see this. (laughs) 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 He can clearly lift cars. We have a whole montage about it. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy that in in movie universe logic. (laughs) 
So yeah, uh, a scene before this, he's like he he's in purgatory again, or sorry, Midtown again. Midtown, uh, get it right, yeah. <laughs> and he's celebrating the fact that he has a kid with like cigars with everyone there. It seems like a fun party. But for some reason, there's this book of people who are going to die soon. And despite the population of the world, it's like very big font, whatever. And he sees that his son, <laughs> Lenny, is going to die soon. And he's like, oh, shit, send me back. I got to help this guy. You know, he, he's my son. And he essentially, we don't see it, but he makes a deal with the devil that like he's going to go to downtown. I got it right. If he can go back and try to save his son. Meanwhile, like, you know, he's getting challenged to this drag race. Sorry, the drag, like, chicken race. They call it a gut race in the movie. Gut race? Okay. Challenged to to a gut race. (laughs) So you're absolutely right. So he's grounded before this. And how did his mom wind up there? Did the friend tell her? Like, his parents are there. I mean, I... Why are, why are you putting so much thought into the mechanics of this movie? I'm j- okay, I'm sorry. I'm just used to it on this podcast. I just <laughs> talked about Dead Poets Society, and I'm talking about this film. So it's like... Well, I think that's the problem. I think Dead Poets Society has a lot of subtext and thought and care behind it. This is the <laughs> heavenly kid. This is a Kate Hudson pick. I've never... Well, no, I guess I picked Peggy Sue. For the most part, I'm not going to pick movies with a lot of like depth beneath it. Like, it's just a drag race, man. Maybe, Fair. Okay, maybe, so maybe his friend narked on him. Who knows? So what'd you like about this? Uh, you know, what did you want to talk about regarding this drag race? Okay, first off, I love the fact that his parents brought his two younger brothers to come watch him die. Yes, okay, thought- that's what I was saying. <laughs> Why? Why not, man? It's having the kid. I think that it's a teaching moment. So <laughs> I know why the dad did, because that's not really his son. And he's like, whatever, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, we'll just make it, we'll go get ice cream. <laughs> Who knows? Why would you bring both boys to watch potentially watch your son die? I don't know, but I loved it, and I appreciate that little plot choice. <laughs> I like how there's a bunch of bloodthirsty teenagers there to egg people on, knowing full well that someone died that way 20 years ago. Because even like we had a like a memorial to these dead cheerleaders who died in the 70s in a car crash in our high school, so that was like 25 years on at that point. Oh, wow. And we still had that in our student like our student hall like. I couldn't tell you who those cheerleaders' names were, but I knew how they died, and I knew their pictures because we had a plaque to them. And I bring that up because clearly those teenagers probably would have known people died this way, especially if they kept the wreckage of the cars in the quarry. So I, I dug that. A bunch of murderous teens came to watch people die. And I also, <laughs> what I also really liked was Lenny's potential last words were, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like, I thought that showed real symmetry between the father and son. I loved it because if, <laughs> if this was like a movie that was, again, made to be artistic, they probably would have chosen different words, but nope, that's what it was. <laughs> but that's true to life. Come on. It is, most it is. People's, right, most people's last words when they're in a car crash are probably, oh shit, or oh fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not too proud to admit that that will probably be my last words if that's how I go out. <laughs> like, I like it. Honestly, though, even if it's not in a car wreck, that's probably most people's last words if they're conscious, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that's a good call. That's a good call. This movie's true to life, except, well, maybe it's totally true to life and we just haven't met our own guardian angels yet. Maybe. But again, what's not true to life is the parents' reactions after this. Like, just. <laughs> Even if that was my son, and even if he was okay, and I'm so happy that, you know, he was saved by the heavenly kid in this car crash, and he's able to climb his way up there. I'm still like, what the fuck did you just do? One, you were grounded. Two, you just did probably the most dangerous thing 
ever. Three, you were just in a car crash, so maybe we should take you to the doctor. Yeah, ex- and the third, that, exactly, exactly. Like, are so you good. okay? I'm surprised you have no bones broken in your body. There was a fiery explosion down there. How did you escape? And we need to take you to the doctor to get a CAT scan at the very least. So I do have to give some props to the Henley kid for always making their cars explode into a fiery ball of flame when they do crash. In a very cool way. Yeah, yeah, they nailed that. Like, props to Henley kid there. I think the guys on Too Fast, Too Forever would be proud of the, the car racing in this uh, the car racing is pretty good. Like you're like this is a B movie with a B movie budget, and they certainly put a lot of that money into just blowing shit up. So respect. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, it's weird that they just leave this kid alone in a rock quarry so he can wave off his ghost father. You know what I mean? Like, especially because he's being disrespectful to his mom. <laughs> like a few scenes ago, and she's mad at him. Like, I don't know. And it wasn't like. Jane Jane Kazimerich, she I know not at the time, but she's like an Emmy nominated actor. Like she, I'm not saying she's bad. So I, I completely blame this on direction or or something like that. But like their reaction isn't even, I don't know. You go to, you watch some movies with like where a kid like runs away or does something bad, and like there's this really emotional like, oh my god, we're just happy you're safe. It she like everyone there the dad too like it felt like they were just teenagers as well the the boys right like the brothers are like oh good job that was awesome if that was my i was like that was not awesome you don't do that too like this is like what is going on here but at the end of the day i wasn't mad i was just like this was a fucking fun movie right like this is a movie about the heavenly kid who gives a shit how his parents react i was thinking like i could see sequels i could like where he's sent on another mission to help someone else yeah like this would have been this could have been a whole franchise but because the bar is so low too you're not like oh who's gonna come back for it who cares who comes back for it just the heavenly kid on another mission in another time period perhaps who knows Right? Like, this is the... You know what this is, really? This is, like, the dude version of Mannequin. (laughs) I would have been down for that. Yeah. I mean, is there logic? Do people act the way people normally do in in real life? No. But do cars explode on impact most of the time? No. So which world do you want to live in? Where people have real motivations or where shit blows up and ghosts (laughs) are around? I know my answer. (laughs) And by the way, side note, I've looked up so many times, wishful thinking, like, is Mannequin a high school movie? Because I definitely would love to talk about that. Mannequin is such a good movie. I love Mannequin. Oh, I bought that on DVD recently, Blu-ray, so I'm never without Mannequin. It's on Blu-ray? Wow. Hell yeah, it is. I'm a big Andrew McCarthy fan, so. Me too. I love Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, I, I went to a book signing of his once that just happened to be, like, in my hometown, like, blocks from me. And I was like, let me just go. He was like a really cool dude. So I, it was awesome. <laughs> I love him. No, I truly love him. He's great. Andy picked the right one. Fuck Ducky. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> oh, I hate Ducky. Poor John Cryer. That's when you were tagging him. I'm like, dude, stop tagging John Cryer. I talk a lot of <laughs> shit about John Cryer. It worked for us in the past. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how, well, we we don't end like that. They kind of. I thought it was funny. Uh, we you know, end Len- in the best way possible. Well, first Lenny and the Heavenly Kid have like a nice little conversation. It's like, oh, we were just becoming friends. Best <laughs> friends. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I it love like, it. I, I, I actually did legitimately like that he didn't tell him that he was his father. Oh, 
I didn't notice that. Because that would fuck him up. Be like, oh, by the way, I'm your dad. The guy you think is your dad's not your dad. Have fun. See ya. You Bye. Know? Oh, that would have been funny. I was happy because it's like, <laughs> don't fuck him up. <laughs> okay. So like Heavenly Kid does have morals. There we go. Yeah. Maybe they're learned morals. Who knows? But That's why he gets know. to go uptown. <laughs> yeah, heck of a kid, ain't you, Rafferty? Yeah, yeah, he's going to be all right. This is hard to say, Rafferty. But I'm going to miss you. Tell me. Is this as bad as I think it is down there? Worse. Thanks. Don't look so glum, Bobby. You're not going down there. You're on your way uptown. Just earned your ticket. Well, could you run that by me again? When you sacrifice yourself for Lenny, you showed us you learned how to love, how to value someone more than yourself. That's how you get a ticket uptown. What, me? Or uptown? Yep. Howie, damn! Couldn't you put that another way? Hang on, kid! All good, yes. So he thinks he's going to hell. Rafferty tells him, nope, you earned your stripes, kid, essentially. You're going uptown. (laughs) And we end with him on that very long escalator, which, by the way, it extends through the credits. Oh, I watched it too. He totally did not know when the shot ended. He definitely kept looking back for direction, you know? He was still in character, but he he looks back a couple times, and it's definitely because it's like... Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, is this over? What's my, you know, what's my reaction supposed to be? You know, <laughs> uh, you just breeze through the best part of the end. What did I miss? What did I miss? When they go off in the motorcycle into the oh, sky. Yeah, of course. Oh my they god. They greased it. How can you leave that out? How could I leave? It? I mean, I thought of it earlier. I just forgot it now. Oh my god. <laughs> How dare you, sir? This movie has it all. Well, it has it all for me. Car crashes, ghosts, motorcycles that go into the sky, musical montages. Like, there's everything about this movie to like. And the effects of that motorcycle shot are just legendary. It's amazing. Like, I kept wanting to, like, show people this part. You know, like, this isn't, like, a clip I can include because it doesn't have audio. But I'm going to post this clip if I can on social media because you have to see it to believe it. Like, I want a real slumber party now and watch this film because it's just so... It's so, so good. So well, because they blew moments. all their money on music licensing. I guess, but what big songs were in this? I don't know. It's probably like a way to embezzle cocaine money via like <laughs> unknown musicians. Oh my god, you're so right. This is definitely was that. Oh my god, I love so, it. So like, yeah. So there's no movie for the actual special effects. So like, they go on a green screen. It's just so good. It's so good. It's oh, it's so good. And you didn't even need that, right? Because like they've already assigned like a practical effect heaven. You know, this isn't like that Robin Williams film, what was it, When Dreams May Come or What Dreams May Come, whatever. Like, it, it, they don't have to show, like, a fancy heaven. Like, they didn't need to do that, but I'm so glad they made that choice. You don't have to frost a cake, but it certainly makes the cake better. <laughs> good call, good call. <laughs> I love this movie. It has it all. It has, like, the purgatory on a subway scene. It has the really, really awkward, long escalator scene. It has walking into the sky. It has motorcycling into the sky. It has montages every five minutes. Like, there's a lot to like about The Heavenly Kid. Can, 
I can keep telling you guys that, but y'all should watch it. You just got to watch it. You know, just one of these things that you just got to watch. <laughs> it is and very entertaining. Did we forget anything you wanted to talk about? I mean, no, I think we, there's not a lot to this. No. One thing I wanted to point out that I've noticed a lot in 80s films, such the 80s, like Reagan-esque hatred of the Japanese is amazing. Or maybe not hatred, but just like jealousy of the Japanese. <gasps> like, <laughs> Yep, I know. Yeah. The guy, uh, there's an old man, and every time he sees like one of these miraculous things happen. By the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, but the Heavenly Kid can't appear to anyone else. So when he's driving a car, it looks like the car is driving itself. When he's riding a bike, it looks like the bike is riderless. So uh, whenever this old man sees it, he's like, says something along the lines of like, must be the Japanese or must be Japanese. And you see this in a lot of films of the day. Like, I'm not saying it's not warranted, but I feel like today we're kind of back to being a little anti-Russian. Again, not saying it's not warranted. But for a while, it was like Chinese, right? Like for things. And for a while, it was, again, the Soviets and stuff. But there's like a small window when everyone thought because they made VCRs, the Japanese were going to take over. Oh, yeah. Well, don't forget Valverde, too. I love how Valverde was our book mid eighties. Oh yeah, the, the fake Central American country and Commando and uh, <laughs> Predator. It's so good. That's true too. Yes, like I mean, they weren't so much like a bad guy like that, but uh, you know, they make this. You know, there's all these like internet companies, but I'd love like a like an internet map of Valverde because that'd be cool. Like, for, like I'm like sure a- there's. I've looked up Valverde before. I think someone's done that. <laughs> I think about Valverde a lot when I need to come up with a fake name. yeah i mean let's see how many i'm sorry this is i'm not including this because i just like segued into all the movies that valverde is in so it's commando predator there's a few other references to valverde in like 1987 ish now anything um anything else or listen i i love this movie i found it really entertaining rewatching it after a long time but there's not as much to talk about as there are with other movies because there's no subtext there's nothing bad to point out and laugh about. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just is. It's a good movie. No, but it doesn't mean I'm not glad we did it. I'm glad we did it because, A, I'm glad we saw it. B, it deserves to be talked about. It deserves oh, yeah. to, like, appear in, like, a very obscure Google search, you know? Like, that. Oh, yeah. It's earned that. <laughs> it, it deserves more love, for sure. Like, I don't understand why some B movies get all the attention and love and cult classic and some don't because like this, this is a decent flick. It deserves more attention. It has to do with a lot of factors, right? Like no one, you know, no one in this really became an A-lister. I don't know. I don't know the other reasons, but it, it's a shame. But thank you, Amazon, for putting this on Prime or free or whatever it is. Thank you, Overlords. (laughs) Thank you, Overlords. We know you're listening. (laughs) All right, awards then. Um, Wooderson Award. Anyone you would want to have seen more in this film? I would do an entire movie based around Rafferty. Oh, wow. I could see that. Right? Like, would not have been interesting to see, like, his day-to-day? Because he has to deal with... Yeah, no, that's cool. Like, one one heavenly kid who's kind of an asshole. He has to deal with, like, an infinite amount of heavenly kids. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we touched on it with, like, me wanting a sequel, too. Like, I'd like that to be explored more in a sequel as well. But overall, like, the character of the Heavenly Kid, maybe not a good guy, but good character. Yeah, and they focused on him more than the kid Lenny, and that was the right choice, too, because Lenny was boring. Like, this is a decent movie that I kind of want more from, and (laughs) I think they did a good job world building with a, you know, coked out (laughs) 80s high school movie. It's almost the opposite of Hiding Out, where you said there was uh, too much of 
the lead in that and not enough of Keith Coogan. Yeah, no, they, they focus on the right person, for sure. That's great. Then Long Duck Dong Award. Any character who you would delete completely from the film? Is there someone we didn't need? No, actually. I think everybody's fine. There weren't too many. Actually, I'm going to correct myself. There weren't any side plots, right? I don't count Lenny's thing as a side plot because that directly involved the heavenly kid, you know? So there weren't really, like, side characters or, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, nobody had any motivation in this other than the heavenly kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's very rare that you have a movie that's basically one story that focuses on one person. (laughs) I mean, he has two motivations, make it right with his dead ex, with his ex now that he's dead, and then fix the kid. But those dovetail nicely to each other. So, like... Yeah, that's weird. It's weird. (laughs) You don't usually get movies with only one plot. Very interesting. But maybe that's why it's so easy to digest, right? I think you're right. And then they they skip a lot by having montages. (laughs) Okay, Cameron Fry Award. Anyone here who looked too old to be a high schooler? Oh, God, yeah. All of them. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, right? Like, (laughs) this is one of those that's just like, let's cast 20-something-year-olds. If that. Yeah, I don't know how old Lewis Smith was, but he did not look a day under 25. Like, he did not pass for a te- No, nobody passed for a teenager. No, and but he also looked so much older than Lenny. They didn't, they both didn't look like, you know, young kids, but they, he looked so much older than him that it didn't feel like they were, like he had died around the same age. So if there's anything that I would say for this, it might be the heavenly kid, because... If you were to pop into this movie halfway, right, would you think that this was like an 18-year-old advising a 17-year-old? No! Like, not at <laughs> all! The math on this movie does not add up. It, it, like, not even if you squint at it, does math add up, or ages add up, or anything add up, really. No, definitely not. Speaking of numbers, Rotten Tomatoes, 22% by the critics, sorry. Fuck the, fuck the critics! <laughs> Again, as an accredited reviewer, maybe you can help out somehow, maybe bring it to 23%, who knows. <laughs> But audience was higher, 63%, which is not great, but a lot higher than 22. What report card grade are you going to give this film? B+. Plus. B+. Plus? Yeah, I don't even have to think about it. This is a B-plus movie for sure. I mean, I'm kind of with you. So I gave it a B, and I was surprised. I thought this was going to be firmly in the C range here. And I've been pretty generous lately, and maybe it's because I've had a lot of time to watch movies, but this was such a relief to watch. It felt good. It was easy. It was fast. It's like you don't give... You gotta grade the the movie where it is, right? Like you don't give the kid who eats paste, you don't hold him to the same standard as the kid who's going to Yale next year, right? But they can both still get A's based on their own effort and achievement. And so the Heavenly Kid, on its own effort and achievement, did a very good job. Yeah, I think it's one of these things where if this was trying to be a great film, then maybe it would have failed. But I think it sought out to do something and it, it achieved it, which is just pure fun entertainment yeah and i think that that in itself is a worthy like cause i really do because i feel like going back to what we talked about you know at the beginning of this is that movies don't set out just to entertain anymore they really don't it's a rare movie that's just like this is dumb and fun just enjoy it like there's always some hidden message and i i miss the type of movie that the heavenly kid is there's definitely space for it even today, especially today, I'd say. Hopefully these kind of films make a comeback. I hope so. 
Is there a heavenly kid-themed sleeping bag you would bring to the slumber party? (laughs) Yeah, obviously a car. Obviously, with flames on it. (laughs) Okay, okay. I was going to go with, like, just that, like, final motorcycle shot. (laughs) I'd like to see that. So good. You you can't undersell that enough, or oversell it, I guess, because it's so ridiculous. It's amazing. The lining, though, would be one of uh, Lenny's shirts. You know, he's got, like, these interesting shirts that he buys later, like, uh, that the Heavenly Kid advises him to buy, I guess. They're, like... So bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, we didn't talk about this, but his hair was so bad throughout the entire movie that it was just so greasy. <laughs> but it was great, right? Like, it just, like, they over-greased it. And I don't think he's a good candidate for, like, a greaser look, if that makes no! sense. No! Not with that haircut. No! It was Even so like the 80. hair texture, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, if I was in the 50s or 60s, like, I couldn't have greaser hair. I have, like, you know, wavy, curly kind of hair. And it just... You'd have, it, yeah, you'd have to get the whiffle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but I love it because they weren't casting with that intention and it did not matter. In fact, it kind of enhanced the movies because as much as he was being, like, a cool dude... He was never really cool to me, and that's what made it a little bit better. Yeah, this movie just works. And I don't know if it's intentional or not on that level, but it definitely works on that level. (laughs) Okay, so rent two movies, get one free. We're in that blockbuster. You and I are having this slumber (laughs) party. We've rented The Heavenly Kid, probably the only ones in a while, but we've dusted (laughs) off that case. We're ready to go. What other two movies are we watching on our slumber party? Okay, I'm not going to use my go-to because I think everyone's getting sick of me always saying Con Air. So I will <laughs> say uh, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. because oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's another Lewis Smith classic. And Mannequin, because I do think that this is like a male version of Mannequin on some level. <laughs> you know, like, I love it when they come up in the podcast. You're so right. I'm so geared to watch those two films right now, so. <laughs> right? Oh, just Perfect. wait till you watch Buckaroo Banzai. It is, oh, it's so good. It is it is truly, it shaped my sense of humor in a way that I cannot describe. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, guys, if you don't enjoy this podcast, you can blame that film for that, so. <laughs> Otherwise, again, I'm sure if you guys watched Heavenly Kid and listened to this, I'm sure you had a blast as much as I did speaking about this film with you, Kate. Really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously you'll be on again because we got the Twilight <laughs> forever. So <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Always great having Kate Hudson on. Follow her on Twitter. She is my favorite follow on Twitter, and I say that without any shame or any apologies. Follow Kate Hudson on Twitter, at Hudson Kate. She's awesome. And she mentioned it earlier, and I mentioned it as well. I think, or I thought, she was our most tenured guest for 2020, and I did a quick count, and I believe she is tied, because she has nine episodes that she guested on this year, so far. That's right. Nine times. And guess what? She's in a tie with Mike Manzi. You know Mike Manzi, Third Time's a Charm, Cruise Club, Hanks for the Memories, Original Cage Club, one of our favorites as well. He's also been on... Nine times. And I feel like that's very fitting. We love them both here. So can't wait to have Mike Manzi on again. He'll be on very, very soon, actually. 
But this Friday, we have a first-time guest. You've heard him on the podcast before. He's my cousin Pumpkin, and I don't know how this is going to go. We'll see. We'll see if he even shows up. But he's going to talk a film called Kids, and he's going to inquire with you about something we did in our 100th episode and see if you might change your mind. That's the tease. But before the tease, here's a trailer. Oh, wait, the trailer for Kids just has music and it's really bad for podcast purposes. So I'm just going to play a little clip from the film. This film can be hard to find streaming-wise. If you can't find it, send me a message, whether it be on our Facebook, whether it be on our Twitter, whether it be on our Instagram, or at our email at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. That's highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. And, you know, just track me down. I have a free and legal link that you can watch the film on. Just send me a message, and I'll send it on your way, I promise. If not, you can try to find the DVD. This is a interesting film, a formative film, and a formative film in my cousin's life, so I wanted him to share his experience with it on the podcast, and that'll be for this Friday. What's up, this shit, yo? Yo, what happened, you Fucked up. I knew you fucked it, man. I sat here for like two hours and shit. Yo, it's 12. You hit that shit up. Man, who am I? I'm a motherfucking bird. <laughs> <laughs> yo, how was that shit, yo? Oh my gosh, so good, dude. That girl can fuck. Bird, she can fuck, yo. How's your halfway through? Oh, I'm thinking about this guy's no virgin. No virgin can fuck like this. Mm, you sure she's a virgin, though? <laughs> <laughs> yo, that bitch was bleeding, dude. When I first put it in, you know, yeah. she all screamed all loud and then, like, so I think I saw her bite down her pillow, but I don't know. How long did it take, dude? Did what take? How long you fuck her for, man? Oh, man, but, you know, it took me, like, 15 minutes to talk her into it and everything. So it took a little longer than I expected, you know, but, man, once it was on, you would fuck for, like, a good half an hour, dude. I had to keep taking it out and putting it back in. God, it hurts the first time. I didn't want to come too quick, neither. How did she smell? Did it push the thing? It went. Mmm, what a scotch, yo. It's the best. That bitch was so clean, dude. Yeah, you can tell she took care of herself. Cause she like had all these like powders and creams in her bathroom. Yeah, you always smell shit again. Mm, man. I'm telling you, man, that's why I love her. You're the best. Purity, man. Yo, you know what else? What happened? You can tell she just had her puberty. Cause like I was flipping through this picture book of her and her family, right? Yeah. And there was this picture of her painting Easter eggs or something. Uh-huh. I was like, damn, you're pretty cute when you were little, right? <laughs> Alright. And so like she is all like, well that picture was taken less than a year ago. I look younger without makeup. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a good one, yo. That's a good one. <laughs> so, I was like, oh shit, yo, this girl's a baby. Then I was like, oh, shit, you know, that turns me on. This girl, I want to fuck this little baby girl, you know? Fucking bird is nasty, you know what I'm saying? That's how you look, Cass, but I think I'm getting addicted to this shit. Fuck, version? Yeah, it's like, oh, I think about now, man. You know, like, having complex fantasies and shit. What do you mean, man? I don't like going all out, man. You mean, like, fucking two virgins and one suit shit, man? Yeah, that would be kind of sweet, but I mean, like, I don't like, when I was fucking her, right? I kept thinking how much I just wanted to put it in her. Dude. <laughs> she probably smashed you in the grill, kid. I don't know about she, that. She was pretty she, into it. <laughs> what you want to do now? 
Get another 40, smoke a blunt or some shit. Yo, you hungry? I'm fucking starving, yo. Wait up a second. I'm taking a piss. Uh, right up on this piece. Hey, yo, let's go to Paul's house. Paul, what for? That guy's a dick, yo. Yeah, but he always got food. He got the microwave burrito things, you know? You think he's got any herbs on him? I know he quit dealing, but I'm sure he smoked us out. You think? Probably. So that's a little taste of kids. Obviously, the film is not for everyone, FYI, but hopefully you join us this Friday. Same High School Slumber Party channel, same time, same everything. We're going to have a blast. I know that. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Thank you for being my bartender today. I really appreciate the drink. You know how to make one hell out of a tequila sunrise, but it's time for bed. We got to shower. We got to put on our jammies, and we got to hit the hay. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, and I almost forgot, I have to leave you with a song. The song is also from the Heavenly Kid soundtrack. It is called... Out on the Edge by John Fiore. Now you may leave my pool. I'm heading for some place that ain't in a dream. I'm heading where no mortal man's ever been. And you may never see my face again. With the eyes of a fool and a heart full of fire. I'm climbing a mountain that keeps getting high. I'm playing a game where no one's supposed to win. It's over. Go home. Go.